I had a childhood friend who, growing up, as she became an adult, every note that she ever sent or every uh, letter that she would write, she would sign at the end of it this reference, Philippians 4.4. And so if you got a card from her, and she would then sign her name, Laura, and then she would always have this reference, Philippians 4.4. And I remember one day finally saying to myself, what's so special about Philippians 4.4? Why does she add it to every signature? By the way, do you know? Do you know why this is such a special, special reference? Well, let me show it to you, and let me ask you to read it with me. Let's read it together. This is what Philippians 4.4 says. Join me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, when I looked that up, I began to understand why she added it to every letter and every note. This little verse helped her to stay positive. It helped her to remain encouraged and uplifted. And obviously, by adding it to every single letter or note, she was passing it along to all of her friends and all the people that she cared about. Now, you may know that this song has been turned into a chorus. Uh, It has been sung the world over, this verse turned into a chorus, and sung the world over by millions of people. And if you ever look at the song in a chorus book or a hymnal, like you could look in our hymnal and find it, you will notice that up in the upper right-hand corner, the category for this song is the category of thankfulness. Now, what is being told us is this, joy or rejoicing is the inner disposition from which thankfulness or a thankful heart flows. So thanksgiving or thankfulness is an outward expression of praise that arises out of the joy in our hearts. What we could say is thankfulness is the natural outgrowth of a rejoicing heart. Now, what this little verse is, it is the secrets to a rejoicing heart. And this morning, I want us to spend a little time looking together at these secrets because we're going to need this in our life as we live the Christian experience. We're going to need to be able to reach down into the inner resources and find the joy that only the Lord can give. Open your Bibles with me to Philippians 4.4, and let's just take a moment, shall we? And let's pray together and ask the Lord to teach us about the greatness of this joy today. Father, we live in a world of great sadness. We live in a world of tragedy and misery and sorrow and grief. And yet, Lord, in your word, we find that in spite of all that we may go through and the tragedies that we may experience, there can be something deep on the inside that only a Christian can truly know. It is a joy that can well up at the deepest times of even our pain and grief and can grant to us a sense of peace and a sense that all is well, enabling us to handle the hardest things that come our way. 
Lord, last night as I fellowshiped with uh, Gary Wickstrom over the phone as he and his family was traveling up from Chicago, having received this very hard news about lymphoma and the potential of cancer and how that will affect uh, their ministry that takes them all around the country. Father, we could talk about the Lord and what He does and how He sustains, and we could pray over the phone. And we could experience the peace of God that passes all understanding. Thank you, Lord, that this very day you're sustaining the Wickstroms with that. And thank you that what they know, every Christian can know. So teach us now from your wonderful word. We love you today and thank you that we are in the presence of the living God who loves and abides and ministers even now for his sake. Amen. Let's notice this first secret, shall we, of abiding joy. And this is very, very critical. It is, rejoicing is God's gift to believers. That's so very, very important. What we are talking about today from this verse is a gift that God gives to those who know the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we look at that principle here this morning, rejoicing is God's gift to believers, I want you to notice that the verse says to us that we are to rejoice in the Lord. Now that little phrase, in the Lord, means two things. Number one, it means that we are a Christian if we've trusted Jesus. And so the Lord Jesus has come to live within us. So now we are in Him and He is in us. And so it's out of that relationship that we rejoice. The second thing that it means is that when He comes into a person's heart, He brings the joy of the Lord with Him. So the joy of the Lord means that Jesus is the source of our joy, and it also means that He is the reason why we have joy. Now, there's a wonderful Old Testament background to this that we don't want to miss this morning. And so I want you to turn back with me for just a moment to the book of Nehemiah. You know the book of Nehemiah is just a little bit before Job, Psalms, and Proverbs. And I want you to turn with me to chapter 8 because this Old Testament background is the source of this expression for rejoice in the Lord. Now, notice what happens down in verse 10 for just a moment. Let me read it for you, and then I'll uh, just share a little bit about the background of what's going on here in Nehemiah's day. Look with me at what uh, was said, Nehemiah, to the people of his day who were rebuilding the walls after they came back from the captivity. Look at verse 10. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our God. And do not be grieved. For, now notice this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now this is the background to this statement in Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord. And here in Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is what is known in the Hebrew language as a Hebrew construct. That means the second noun is the source or the author of the first noun. 
So that when he talks about the joy of the Lord, he means the joy that the Lord gives or the joy that he is the author of. Now, let me remind you a little bit about the background of uh, the book of Nehemiah. The Jewish people had returned after the captivity to the land, and they were rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem. Uh, one day, Ezra the scribe came. They had a great, great convocation, a great conference, in which he taught them from the law. And as he taught them from the law, they realized the Babylonian captivity... And all their suffering was because of their sin as a nation. The Bible teaches us here that they were grieved. They were crushed. They were weighed down with sorrow and with remorse. In fact, look back at verse 9 and notice this. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. So then as they were weeping because they were so grieved and and filled with sorrow, Nehemiah reminded them, listen, you need to understand, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, the the name there for Lord, you know, is the name Yahweh. It is God's personal name that He gave to His people who were in a covenant relationship with them. What Nehemiah was saying is, God is your Father. He has forgiven you. He loves you. And He will still bless your lives. And so Nehemiah was saying to them, your joy in this kind of a God will give you strength to go on despite what your past has been. In fact, notice how this encouraged them and notice how their weeping returned to rejoicing. Look at verse 11. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, Be quiet. For this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And then notice what happened. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. What an amazing thing. Here they were grieved and sorrowed over the deep sins of their past that had led to the judgment of God. And now they, Lord, the, the people say to them, their leaders say to them, this God is your Father. He loves you. He's forgiven you. He will bless you. Don't grieve. Don't be sorrowful. Grasp on to Him and recognize that your joy in this kind of a God will give you strength so that you can go on. Now, brothers and sisters, you know what this means then? When we come to Philippians 4.4 and we read, Rejoice in the Lord, we're talking here about an inner joy. A joy on the inside. It is a joy that says, Jesus Christ loves me. Jesus has saved me. Jesus is a Savior who is good to me in spite of my failures. And Jesus is a Savior that is with me. It is that inner kind of joy. 
Brothers and sisters, this is not a a frothy, giddy kind of joy. This is not the joy that says, yay, the Cubs finally won until they lost again, right? Now, this is not that kind of joy. It is a deep, inner, and abiding joy that only the Lord can give. A man by the name of Dennis Holy wrote a book, Are You Happy? What an interesting title for a book. He discovered this as he wrote this book. Would you listen to this? Only 20% of Americans are happy. That's what he discovered. Now, I want you to think of that. If we are the typical American group here this morning... Only two out of ten of us are really happy people. I want to suggest to you this morning that I think we as a group have a much higher percentage. And I think the reason we as a group are not the typical Americans so that only two out of ten of us are happy like is true in America today. And that is because many of us have found the true source of joy is the Lord. And because we have found that He alone can bring real happiness, we are probably a group that blows that 20% away. And a larger percentage of us are happy. You see, the sad reality is today, most Americans do not really understand that it is only the Lord who can truly make you happy. Let me ask you this morning, uh, who do you suppose said this? It won't surprise you when I tell you who. But let me ask you this morning if you can perhaps guess who said this. I sit in my house in Buffalo, and sometimes I get so lonely, it's unbelievable. Life has been so good to me. I've got a great wife, good kids, money, my own health, and I'm lonely and bored. I often wondered why so many rich people commit suicide. Money sure isn't a cure-all. Guess who said that? You ready? That was said by O.J. Simpson. Long before he was convicted in a civil court of the two infamous murders that he committed, Long before he was placed in prison where he sits today for being charged with kidnapping with a pistol, a handgun. And when I read that, I thought, can you imagine years ago in Buffalo, if in his boredom and loneliness he had turned to Jesus, he would have found the only source of true inner joy. And can you imagine how things could have been different had he discovered that the pain and the suffering that he has inflicted upon others might never have happened if he had found 
that only Jesus Christ can ultimately bring true joy. Isn't it a wonderful thing today here that what he didn't find, we have. We have. Notice the second secret. This verse in Philippians 4.4 tells us that rejoicing cannot be canceled by our circumstances. Rejoicing cannot be canceled by our circumstances. He says... Rejoice in the Lord when? How much? How many times? Always. No matter what our circumstances as a Christian, we can always rejoice in the Lord. And we want to say, how in the world can that be? Paul, I want to say, how can that be? Because some situations are downright painful. Some things in life are very hard to take. Uh, Paul, are you not being unrealistic? Uh, How can you possibly say, rejoice always? Well, what's the answer here? Paul is not saying we should never feel sad about our losses or our hurts. He's not saying that we should deny our pain. I've come across Christians who think that, you know, being a believer means you just somehow ride above everything. And you deny your pain. You've heard people say, you know, well, I'm doing pretty well under the circumstances. And somebody said, well, what are you doing under there? You know. And sometimes we have this idea that as a Christian we are to deny our pain. That's not what Paul is saying. What he is saying is this. Our earthly losses remind us to turn our attention to the Lord. That is the idea here. Whatever we lose in this life reminds us to turn our attention to the Lord. And when we do that, what we find is He is always there, His promises are true, and His blessings are eternal. So that when what can never last is stripped away from us, we turn our attention to what will always last, And what that does is it brings a deep peace and a contentment even despite our painful loss. Let me just say that again. I think this is what Paul means. Not that our pain and loss doesn't hurt us and we don't experience the emotions related to that. But when what is temporary is stripped away, We turn our attention to the Lord knowing that what is eternal can never be taken away. And therefore, there is a deep peace and abiding contentment that can never, ever fail us. It will be there despite painful loss. I wonder this morning how many of you have ever seen anybody, and you don't need to raise your hand, who uh, was crying and smiling at the same time. You ever seen that? I never thought that was possible. Never thought that you could cry and smile at the same time. And then my predecessor in my um, previous church, a man who was loved by many, Bob Savage, he, he died of cancer. 
And I remember as the new pastor of the church going to visit the former pastor's home because he had just died of cancer and he was deeply loved. And when I arrived and knocked on the door, his son-in-law, Jim Pluteman, who is a very well-known missionary, in fact, later on became the president of SIM International, a worldwide mission organization, met me at the door. And I saw something for the first time that surprised me. I did not think it was possible. Here were tears streaming down Jim's face, and he had a smile on his lips. And I thought, smiling and crying at the same time. Now, crying because he had just loved, lost a beloved father-in-law whom he loved very, very deeply. But smiling because he knew he had gone to heaven where there is no more pain, no more crying, and no more cancer. And even the hardest circumstances cannot disturb the eternal promises of Jesus Christ. And I thought to myself, here is the Christian. Can you explain the Christian? Crying because of the deep pain and loss, and yet smiling because of the joy of the Lord on the inside. Can you explain the Christian? Of course you cannot. Not apart from this, that we cry just like everybody else, but on the inside is a joy in the Lord that enables us to have great contentment and peace. First secret we learn is rejoicing is a gift that God gives to believers. Second secret we learn is rejoicing cannot be canceled by our circumstances. Do you think it can get any better? Yeah, I can. Notice thirdly, rejoicing is needed most when things look the worst. Now look again at Philippians 4 and verse 4 because Paul is very deliberate here. He's very, very specific. And he is teaching us something very, very critical. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, Again, I will say, Rejoice. Now, do you know what he's uh, knowing that we're thinking? He's knowing that we are objecting at this point to what he's teaching us. And we are saying to ourselves, wait a minute, Paul. The time when we need to rejoice in the Lord the most is when we do not feel like it? Is that what I am understanding? You see, evidently, Paul believed that people would object to what he was writing. In fact, you know, the Philippians themselves would have a problem with this because they were facing suffering, persecution, and tremendous hardship. See, Philippi was a military town, and there was tremendously fierce loyalty to Caesar. If you were a Christian, and you said Jesus is Lord, 
By the way, that's how the Christians would greet each other. They would come to services and they would say, Jesus is Lord. If you said that in Philippi, it meant hatred, it meant intimidation, and it meant a great deal of fear. And so when Paul says to them, I want you to rejoice in the Lord, he knew that some of the Philippians would say, Paul, you do not really mean this. This cannot be. And so he adds this little phrase, again, I say, rejoice. What Paul is saying to us is this, I've carefully thought it through and I really mean this. No matter what happens, Rejoice in the Lord always. You need to do this. Think about what he's saying. The time when we need to rejoice in the Lord the most is when we feel like doing it the least because things look the worst. What is Paul getting at? I think he means this. By rejoicing in the Lord, we will find healing for our souls. We will keep from giving in to despair. In other words, rejoicing in the Lord will give us strength to make it through. And we will find exactly what Nehemiah said to the people, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yes, things look very bleak. Yes, the rebuilding of these walls uh, uh, have just been a small step in reconstituting your whole nation. Yes, you've suffered greatly. But now look at your father and how good he is. Look at how he loves you. Look at how he forgives the past. Look at how he builds towards the future. Look at how he is present and how he is a good God. And in the midst of that, as you look to that God, you will find an inner joy and peace and contentment that will grant you strength so you can make it through. So says the Apostle Paul, rejoicing in the Lord when you feel least like doing it will be a major means of healing your soul. Some of you know two of the best-known Christian counselors were Frank Minrith and Paul Meyer. I happen to have the privilege of having them for uh, one class that they co-taught. You know that they wrote a very famous book called Happiness is a Choice. That book has sold over a million copies. It has touched many, many lives. By the way, uh, Frank Menrith just passed away recently. He is now with the Lord. But look what Menrith and Meyer said, and they were commenting upon this verse in Philippians 4.4. Paul was not urging us to be unrealistic. He was not saying that we should never feel sad. Even Jesus wept. However... He was advocating, focusing on the blessings we have in Christ and being grateful for these regardless of how sad we may feel at any particular time. That is a great commentary on what Paul means. 
Because this focus on the Lord will help us make it through the healing process. Recently, I read an article that came out of the American Journal of Psychiatry. The article caught my attention because this is how it began. What really makes people satisfied with their lives? And the article said this, Amazingly, the secret may lie in a person's ability to handle life's blows without blame or bitterness. This was the report of a study that had been going on since the 1940s. And what this study involved was 173 Harvard graduates. So these are very intelligent, very smart people. They studied them for uh, many years, since the 1940s. And they reported the results of the study in the American Journal of Psychiatry. Let me share with you one very critical conclusion they found that relates to happiness. This is what they said. Please look at this very carefully this morning and notice this. One potent predictor of well-being was the ability to handle emotional crisis maturely. Isn't that interesting? How will a person have inner well-being? What is one of the signs? One of the signs is that when emotional crises happen in their life, they can handle those crises in a mature way, and the study defined the mature way by handling life's blows without blame or bitterness. You know, one of the chief causes as to why so many people today are unhappy is because of blame and bitterness. And now here we have a tonic for our souls. We have a joy on the inside that can never be taken away because of a God who loves us and forgives us and has promised, no matter what has happened, I will help you through it. And when we begin in the times of our hurt and our pain, and we want to blame or we want to be bitter or we want to be resentful, we have a God we can take that to and we can dump that on Him. And He says, I will carry that for you and I will start to heal your heart. And we then can handle our emotional crisis in a mature way. And this study affirms what God's Word says. It is that kind of inner stability that brings true happiness. By the way, aren't you grateful when studies of psychiatry confirm what the Bible said hundreds and thousands of years ago? Aren't you? I read what people learn in studies, and they've spent all this time since the 1940s, and then I come to my Bible, and I see, wow, they've learned what God has already said. How wonderful this is. By focusing on our Lord, 
He gives us inner joy. That inner joy heals our emotions so that we can handle life's blows. Does anybody feel like singing with me today, Rejoice in the Lord Always? And again, I say rejoice. Brother Kurt, would you come up here, please? Kurt has been asking me over many years if I would uh, sing in a quartet with him. How about a duet? I'm going to turn my mic off. (laughs) Thanks. And... uh, We're going to sing Rejoice in the Lord Always. And again I say rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Again I say rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. (laughs) And again I say rejoice. Let's sing it. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again I say rejoice. Would you join us? Would you join us? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Amen. The quartet will wait till later, all right? Would you bow your heart with me and let's pray. Father, We are not talking about a giddy, frothy, bubbly happiness. We're thankful for those times when we have that. I don't think the Wickstroms have that right now, Lord. And when we see them, perhaps, in the second service... We're not going to feel that way either. But underneath, down deep, where it really counts, there is an abiding peace and confidence, a deep contentment that says, I can accept this, I can deal with this. I can make it through this without bitterness or blame. Because I have the joy of the Lord. And that joy is my strength. And that's what so many all around us lack, Lord.
They lack strength. They lack sturdiness. They lack power. But we have it because we have the Lord who gives it. And so today, Lord, we ask that you would help us to look to you, to trust you, to learn more about you, and to believe that you are really good, that you know what you're doing, that you do have a plan, You are leading us somewhere. Our pain and our trials are not wasted. They are invested for a glorious future. And knowing that and believing it, may we find the inner strength to go on. So we, Lord, love you today. We know we don't love you as much as we should. We want to love you more. We want to grow in a greater understanding of you. Because the more we know you, the greater meaning in life we will have. So we pray this now for your wonderful sake. 